Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. When it comes to UFOs, what did U.S. presidents know and when did they know it? Are some presidents kept in the dark on the subject? Who or what decides? Greetings from the 2020 uh, Western Connecticut UFO Conference emanating from Danbury, Connecticut Public Library. Uh, and welcome to the 866th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Coming to you live from WOON uh, AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Uh, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live and on TuneIn.com. Also catch the show at OwenWorldwide.com uh, where you can see the video stream as well as well as YouTube. I'm Ben and those questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures and my father, Paul. Well, here we are. Today we are we're having a little trouble getting him on the line here, but we will shortly. Uh, we welcome back a legend in the UFO community, and those participating in the UFO conference uh, should be able to talk to him during the panel discussion at 1.15 Eastern Time today after we're off the air. Uh, if you have questions during the show, call WO. Actually, I'm going to ask you to uh, not call that line. Well, yeah, we will. 401-766-1240 uh, from anywhere or email paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Uh, coming to us uh, via Skype today or, or phone, we'll see which. Uh, is none other than Dr. William J. Burns, more commonly known as Bill Burns. Uh, Bill is a New York Times best-selling author, publisher of UFO magazine. Six uh, six, yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, and a New York literary agent who has written and edited over twenty-five books and encyclopedias in the fields of human behavior, true crime, current affairs, history, psychology, business, computing, and the paranormal. Real Renaissance man, Bill is. Uh, Bill received his Ph.D. from New York University in 1974. Uh, Bill is well known as the star of the UFO Hunters series on the History Channel, uh, which aired for three seasons beginning in 2008. Uh, He has been an occasional guest co-host on our show for many years. Uh, The book we'll discuss today is UFOs and the White House. What did our presidents know and when did they know it? Uh, That's by Bill and his co-author, Joel Martin. So uh, we're... um, doing a technological uh, negotiations here with uh, the universe uh, to get Bill on. We have him on the phone. We're going to try to get him on Skype so you can see him on the video. And uh, we will take it away, certainly. But but um, we've had a long history with Bill. Uh, he was first on... Do we have him on? He's on yes, I'm here. Telephone, but the, oh, so they can't hear me. Okay. Um, the, uh, the thing is, is that he's called the Danbury uh, Library uh, electronically. And so he couldn't also be connected to us instead of connecting to us and letting the Danbury Library oh. get it from us. Okay, well, well, so well he, all right. He that, had a home run there, so now he's on telephone. Okay, fine. So, uh, so we pres- and th- that was uh, Dave Richards, uh, a, 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 a samurai among uh, station managers who was just soldiered with us through these technical difficulties here. I'm very proud of the alliteration you did there, Father. That was very good. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that. That's why I'm a writer, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, we would uh, tell folks they can pick up the show today on the uh, Danbury Library Facebook page. It's live streaming there, and uh, this is the first time we've done such a simulcast. So, uh, Okay, so uh, So Bill Burns, after (laughs) quite a harrowing morning, (laughs) welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Oh, because uh, because actually what, uh, what happened, guys, is that the forces of the paranormal did not want any truth revealed. So therefore... They sent a stream of electrons into all of my devices, blocking me from getting on until I realized that on this iPhone with this new system, somebody actually locked her up, locked him cook up, because um, <laughs> this well, system is it, so bad that it, 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 it makes the phones do things no humans can do, which is scary if you're a human. Mm. It is. Well, here we all are, and that's what matters. And uh, you're lucky you don't co-host here uh, every week, Bill, because uh, we, we have a lot of interesting things happen. So, Ben, uh, take us away with our questions. Well, I, I suppose, you know, we must start at the at the very, very beginning, um, as Julie Andrews once said. Uh, on your So in your book, uh, you trace pre- presidential UFO sightings all the way back to George Washington at Valley Forge. Can you expand a little bit on that? Sure. Um, <coughs> 
what's fast what's even more fascinating than George Washington which is a great story which we'll talk about is that UFOs in the New World were apparent to the indigenous peoples in, in, in what became the United States and what became Canada and Mexico. So these are UFOs over North America. But actually, some of the very, very first sightings of UFOs in a colonial America were made by none other than the priest, than the minister, Cotton Mather, one mm. of the most famous religious writers in New England, who with his telescope was looking at the moon and wrote, and this is in the NASA report on lunar anomalies, he wrote that he saw strange lights circling over the moon. And I'm telling you, I saw a video the other day, a recent video of strange lights circling over the moon, and I'm saying, my God, for over 400 years, this guy has been, um, we've been looking at the moon and seeing strange lights. George Washington's vision at, um, at Valley Forge also hawks back to George Washington's visions and George Washington's experiences during the French and Indian War 20 years earlier when uh, he was fighting with, I want to say, um, gentleman Johnny Burgoyne, General Burgoyne could be the wrong general, but um, when they were fighting in here in Pennsylvania um, over the, they, they, they were trying to take, to um, dislodge the French from Fort Duquesne. It was a French fort outside of Pittsburgh. Very, 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 very important fort because that fort controlled the entrance to Susquehanna River, which joins with the Allegheny River to form the Ohio River, which flows into the Mississippi, hence the three rivers. So, they were trying to um, force a crossing across the Susquehanna River. And as they were doing it, the general, the general um, just forced his army across. The way the um, Iroquois were fighting and the Delaware were fighting the British, they weren't fighting the British line to line the way European uh, armies in the field. This was a guerrilla warfare. The Native Americans on both sides of the British lined up and just started picking them off just like the Americans did in uh, Vermont. And so what Boyne did was he said, I'm going to force a crossing. And he forced a crossing across the Susquehanna River where he was shot by mortally wounded by um, by a musket ball. George Washington, seeing this, he was a lieutenant colonel at the time, seeing this, gets a group of men, runs into the river, pulls Burgoyne out of danger, and during that time, he was dead in the sights of chief, of one of the local chiefs of the Delaware Nation. And as he aimed his musket right at Washington's head, a spirit came down. And this is in the chief's own words. The chief was, the chief said, that I saw the great spirit Manitou hover over George Washington. And when we were hovering over George Washington, I knew from the great spirit's appearance, this was a great man not to be killed by my musket ball. And hence, Washington survived that battle. He's at Valley Forge 20 years later, and he's in the woods, and he sees a vision, a green glowing orb. And he writes that out of that orb, he saw the face of the Indian chief that he saw on the other side of the Susquehanna River aiming a musket at him. But that chief had died the week before. Washington also saw a flying saucer and envisioned out of that flying saucer this white creature dressed in white who held up for him the battle plan of the Revolutionary War, the whole battle plan, how Washington would defeat the British, then, then explained that America would go through trials and travails 
for hundreds of years in the future, but everything would wind up being all right. Washington wrote in his journal, and he published that in UFOs in the White House, Washington wrote in his journal this entire story and how that gave him a heart. And he told his entire staff of officers why that gave him heart. And that was the story of Washington at Alley Forge, and the first well, we, American military UFO sighting. Wow. Well, we... Uh we're interested in that particularly, Bill, because uh, in our own book, uh, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, uh, we had the story of George Washington and the Angel, which also supposedly, supposedly took uh, place at Valley Forge. However, we were uh, a bit um, I don't know, skeptical because of the sources of this. Apparently, the story didn't appear until after the Civil War in a veterans magazine, and uh, it was not in his journal. Uh, but but if this was in his journal, that, that's that's pretty uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, it was, I was actually. Yeah, it actually. Yeah, it actually was in his journal, and um, the reason it appeared in that army magazine, uh, I think it was Stars and Stripes. The, uh, the reason it appeared in Stars and Stripes is that the last living member, the last living that goes hundred years old, the last living member of Washington's unit that crossed the Susquehanna wrote that story before he died. Hmm. Well, okay, that's um, pretty interesting stuff. So well, we have uh, a, um, I guess he hadn't come on the scene last time you co-hosted, but we have a very faithful listener in Bogota, Colombia, Bill, who uh, almost every week sends in some very excellent questions, and he has a few for you. So, Ben, if you Go would. Ahead. Sure thing. Um, so Peter starts off with, uh, Dr. Burns, if he discovered any uh, uh, transcripts of what President Eisenhower actually said during his famous 1952 uh, UFO Washington uh, UFO flap over Washington D.C. Uh, what did they say? Well, here's what they said. Here's what they said. This was a real battle within the United States Air Force because, first of all, the orders that the Air Force gave. Uh, first of all, Washington was not president in 1952. He won the November election, obviously which is another great story. He won the November election and didn't take office until 1953. But in 1952, George Washington had two amazing UFO sightings, one of which he actually commented on. Uh, you mean Eisenhower? Eisenhower, I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it was Dwight Eisenhower. Um, before, he took, uh, uh, before he ran, well, he was running that summer, but that summer he was part of Operation Main Brace, which was one of NATO's first combined operations using nuclear forces to block the Soviet Union in the event of a third world war to block the Soviet Union from entering the uh, North Atlantic that was Operation Mainbrace and in Operation Mainbrace on the uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt the first uni the first US nuclear nuclear-powered anti-aircraft uh, carrier, uh, the, uh, the USS FDR, um, who had two UFO experiences. It was in the North Sea, and a, a USO in under, uh, um, in a submersible object, an unknown submersible object, broke the surface of the water and flew into the sky. It was obviously sh um, shadowing the Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And Washington was on the bridge, saw it. Yeah, Eisenhower. And Eisenhower was on the bridge. <laughs> trying to confuse everybody. He was on the bridge. President Eisenhower was on. Uh, was uh, General Eisenhower was on the bridge, and he saw the USO break the surface, and he said to each member of the bridge crew, "We all know what we saw, but we're never going to talk about it again." And he went back below decks. That was a quote from one of the bridge crew on the USS FDR when Eisenhower came up on board to uh, uh, come up topside to look at that um, light that was breaking through the water that had been following the aircraft carrier all along. So that was Eisenhower's statement about UFOs. Then in July of 1952, there was this massive UFO incursion over Washington, D.C., and the Air Force gave the order, shoot them down. And the great book on this is by Frank Faschino, 
oh, right yeah. to the story of, of, of those orders and what happened because that was the reason when we shot one down for the Flatwoods monster. But Eisenhower saw these UFOs. And sure enough, what was one of his first acts when he, what was one of his first acts when he became president? One of his first acts. He negotiated us out of the Korean War. Amazing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the first act after his inauguration and seeing the UFOs over Washington, seeing a UFO firsthand um, over the North Sea, Washington gets us out of the Korean War. Then you all know the story of um, Washington's meeting, of Eisenhower's meeting with um, the a delegation of ETs um, at an Air Force base in, in, in Northern California and in New Mexico. And at those meetings, there was a treaty structure. It was an open skies agreement. That was Eisenhower's response to all this UFO incursion. So under this open skies agreement that UFOs could wander through our skies, observe us, we're not going to shoot them down, we may observe them. <clears throat> they agree that we can observe them without any hostilities. And then we would allow them to inspect us we would not interfere with them. They would not interfere with us. We would keep it quiet. And then that agreement became part of Eisenhower's Open Skies Agreement with Khrushchev. So this all lines up. So Eisenhower was, and of course, we've all seen the MJ-12 Eisenhower briefing notes describing exactly what was going on. And so Eisenhower was really the first president who had to find a way, well, actually he was the second because Harry Truman was the first after Roswell, Eisenhower had to find a way to maintain this cover-up, to use what he found out about UFOs, what they wanted, what the delegation wanted, and then apply that to his own administration's dealing with the Soviet Union. Hmm. Good. Well, I guess, I guess the question... Um would be I I, hmm, I I just wrote this down so I'm trying to figure out how to word it as I talk so bear with me um, so let's say uh, you know the the open skies agreement right um, this this whole sort of okay well yeah you know we'll stay out of your way you stay out of ours kind of thing does it I, I guess as time has gone on and the more research that's been done has shown that there's you know, different different species with different motives and different operations and whatever. Um, you know, di sort of a change in craft that's occurred over time. Sort of more more ethereal. A lot of stuffs being more spiritualized. In 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 this in this sort of way, if, if there was an agreement that was struck, you know, would this apply to all ETs or only certain ETs that we know of? Look at our own foreign policy. I mean, you uh, uh, you can look at our own foreign policy and answer that question yourself, which is that we make separate deals with different countries or different blocks of countries. So, at, at least for the moment, we have a standing agreement with NATO under Article 5 that all the NATO powers support each other in case any one power is attacked, which was only invoked once, by the way, in the history of NATO since the end of World War II. And that history was, after 9-11, NATO stepped up. Okay, so they've defended us. That was, um, so, so we make separate agreements with separate powers or separate blocks of powers. So NATO is one such agreement. Uh, the Southeast Asia Treaty Organization is another agreement. So we engage in military agreements historically by forming blocks of power. So we don't get involved in other people's wars if our interests are not at stake. And that's what it was. Now, we ourselves violated um, Clause 5 of NATO agreement all the way back in 1954 when the French uh, Foreign Legion contingent was under siege in North Vietnam at Dien Bien Phu. And there were American Marines, and I spoke to one, American Marines at Dien Bien Phu in 1954. 
that unit had to fight its way through the jungle while the French Foreign Legion troops were helicoptered out after the French surrendered the base to the uh, Viet Minh. So that was... So, so, so even then, the United States, Eisenhower knew that was an unwinnable war. He kept us out of Vietnam. You may want to ask at some point why Johnson brought us in, but <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, uh, uh, the point is Eisenhower um, argued, he negotiated separate agreements with separate powers, including okay. the aliens. Right. Now, which group of aliens, we don't know whether it's the Greys or the Roundheads or this or that, assume that it was the most prevalent group visiting this planet, the ones that visited us um, in July 1952, and um, that was the basis of the Open Skies Agreement. Okay. All right, now uh, there are two more questions from uh, Peter. However, before that, I I'm just very curious about, um, it, it, do you, is it true that some presidents are let in on these things and other presidents are not well uh, that's another strange story and it goes something like this Jimmy Carter had his own UFO sighting so, so let's start with that we know that's a fact because Jimmy Carter filed a sighting report I think with NICAP or QFOS one of those two organizations so we know that Carter had a sighting we know that on the camp, this is, again, we're going all the way back to, what, 1970, uh, 1974. So uh, so we know that Carter um, was asked on the campaign trail, prompted by somebody we know, uh, would you tell the truth about UFOs to the American people if you were elected? And he said, yes, I will. Then, after he's elected, the story goes, someone, clearly with Oval Office access, walks into the Oval Office and tells Carter point blank, if you try to explore and reveal the secrets of what we have about UFOs, which means there are secrets we have about UFOs, your presidency will be destroyed. Carter never did. Before the, it was, I think at the end of the 90s, uh, I was at a book signing with Jimmy Carter. And... I asked him when we were alone, just right to his face. I, I said, who was it that walked into the Oval Office and told you to shut your, to shut it down? Don't explore UFOs. I said, was it Zbigniew Brzezinski, who was one of the Jason scholars mm. under President Eisenhower? And the MJ-12 group was administratively, hierarchically under the Jason scholars. So if Spigniew Brzezinski was a Jason scholar in the Eisenhower administration, and we know from eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses, that both the Truman and Eisenhower administrations kept alive E.T., Coleman E.B.E., but an extraterrestrial in custody, and they were testing it, from, the 19, from, from, from 1948, we, we know that because we have a sighting, in 1948, then right through uh, the early 50s when it died. And we have another sighting, and this one by a very, very famous person, so whose name I was sworn to keep silent, by NASA. So um, that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. Mm. Uh, there was a living ET inside the United States military uh, into the 1950s. So, so we know that from eyewitnesses. And we also know from what Larry Warren has told us, what Jackie Gleason himself, you know, the comedian Jackie Glee, uh, uh, Gleason, the, the great one, well, he was one of uh, Richard Nixon's best friends. Best, best friends in the whole world. They were both, uh, they were both Florida folks, and um, so that's what they were. And one night, as we all know, um, Jackie Gleason... Jackie Gleason uh, told the story that uh, that one night there was um, a, a black car pulls up to his house in Florida. In the car is Richard Nixon, all alone, no Secret Service. Gleason get, and this is Gleason's story. How did I confirm it? <clears throat> 
Well, well, well let's get the confirmation first. <clears throat> when Jackie Gleason was making the movie, um, nothing in common with uh, Tom Hanks at Sony Pictures. He told everybody at the at in uh, at the Culver City set of Sony Pictures about the experience he had with Richard Nixon and the alien. One of the people he told was the head of Sony Pictures at the time, Jeff Sagansky, who told me that story. But he also told if. Anybody remembers the old Jackie Gleason show, which I doubt anybody does from the 1950s, uh, but if I, they do, well. <laughs> if they do, you will know, you'll remember those famous shots of the June Taylor dancers, right, making those circles and the upside-down cameras that Busby Berkeley invented, shooting it from, uh, fr from the top down. June Taylor, that was the June Taylor dancers at, um, at, at, um, in New York, Carnegie Hall at RKO, the um, the um, her sister Barbara Taylor married Jackie Gleason. We spoke to Barbara Taylor, and she said that when Jackie Gleason had come back from Florida, he was a changed human being. Changed when he came back from that one experience uh, with Richard Nixon, seeing the dead alien. And the experience was Nixon picks up Jackie Gleason, they, uh, they drive to an Air Force base, they are led onto the base, the security guard is shocked to see the President of the United States and Jackie Gleason, one of the biggest um, television stars in the 1950s. Uh, now, of course, it's, it's um, the 1970s, and they're driving... And they go to a, um, a, a secured spot on the base. There, in that secured spot, they bring out, Jackie Gleason shows him artifacts. Then he shows him a coffin. And in the coffin is the body of an alien. And Jackie Gleason told his wife, Barbara Taylor, it was one of, one of the most frightening things I ever saw. Now, you may say, why Jackie Gleason? Why Jackie Gleason? You know, why is... Reginald Van Gleeson III, Ralph Cramden, why do we have these characters seeing a UFO? <clears throat> Jackie Gleeson was an absolute firm believer in the paranormal, in the existence of UFOs. His library of paranormal books was incredible, and he was a follower um, um, of a lot of paranormal people, and he knew all about the MJ-12 papers. And so supposedly... That was the reason that Jackie Gleason, for all of Richard Nixon's term in politics, his terms in politics as vice president and as president, Gleason would ask him, tell me about the UFOs, tell me about the UFOs, tell me about the ETs, where are, they? Where are the aliens? And Gleason said, if you ask me this question again, we will never speak again. We, well, why, don't we, uh, why don't we hold that thought, because we're going to take our mid-show break. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Today, simulcasting with the Western Connecticut UFO Conference, and we will be right back with our great guest, Bill Burns, so stick with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM. And we're back with Bill Burns, uh, UFO legend. And uh, Bill, I uh, didn't mean to interrupt you there, so uh, if there's anything else to say about dear old Jackie Gleason, you can finish up, but we'll go to the next question. Well, what Barbara Taylor, <clears throat> Jackie's wife, told us was that that sighting at that Air Force base with Richard Nixon so Richard Nixon was in the know the entire time. And the corollary to that, and here's where things get, I mean, as strange as that story is, the stranger part is if you read the book, Stranger at the Pentagon, talking about 
this creature from Venus, this humanoid from Venus, Val, Valiant Thor. When Val Thor visited from Venus, and why do I think that sounds so much like uh, Robert um, Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land? But when he visited from, uh, from Venus, Eisenhower put Richard Nixon in charge, and he was staying at the Pentagon. And so, strange how these two stories correlate. Actually, three stories correlate. Eisenhower structuring a deal with aliens at Muroc. The um, Jackie, the um, Richard Nixon story of Valiant Thor, and then Richard Nixon taking Jackie Gleason to actually see the body of a dead alien at the Homestead Air Force Base in Florida. Well, just, uh, just fascinating. Pretty weird, pretty weird. Well, let's go to uh, the next question from uh, Peter in the Bogota. And uh, what were the unproduced plans for UFO Hunters, the series on the History Channel? Uh, I imagine okay, there were Okay, let script- me just answer that real quick. Okay. Yeah. Real qu- and then get to the second half of the question. Okay. Okay. First of all, one of the problems, UFO Hunters, I mean, this is going to sound really strange, but, I mean, I created the show, so... UFO Hunters was not about, see if this makes sense, and you could jump on me all you want to, but UFO Hunters was not about UFOs. It was about the people who saw the UFOs. Mm. The show was about the experiences that people had and were willing to talk about, not about the UFOs themselves. Um, In American television, the underlying theme of all American television from Life of Riley in 1948 all the way to This Is Us today, the most successful television series are about us. Mm-hmm. All we want to see on television is ourselves. We don't want to see George Washington. We don't want to see Abraham Lincoln. I mean, yeah, you'll see that on PBS with Ken Burns. But the point is, <laughs> what we want to see is ourselves. These are the characters we like the most, ourselves. So UFO Hunters was about us. It was about the way human beings reacted and what they saw as opposed to what was real. Because unless you're standing alongside a UFO, you don't know what's real. Mm, yeah, so yeah, that's true. that was the point of UFO hunters. It's about it's about the people, the experiences they have, and the results of those experiences. Right? Whether you're um, an abductee and you're telling us the story of what you learned, whether you are uh, Kathleen Martin, for example, from your neck of the woods, um, up in New Hampshire, who um, <clears throat> actually um, described what her aunt. Betty Hill told her the morning after she was abducted. And we have these, like, important stories. But the point is that it's the way those stories react on human beings and their responses to them. That was the whole point of UFO hunters. Not that, oh, gee, I saw a UFO. That's great. My plans were, in the fourth season, to... um, my plan was to interview the children of presidents. I wanted to interview Amy Carter. I wanted to interview Chelsea Clinton. I wanted to interview Jack and Susan Ford because their father also, Jerry Ford, when he was um, the uh, majority, uh, oh, when he was the leader in Congress, the Republican leader in Congress, what Jerry Ford did was he, after the Hill Michigan sightings. That was his district in Michigan. He was a congressman from Michigan. After those sightings, which were, it's not just, oh, look at that strange light in the sky. Uh Uh-uh. These were visitations. These were creatures. And then after Alan Hynek said, oh, well, this is swamp gas, Jerry Ford said BS. And what he did was he wrote a letter to Mendel Rivers on the House Armed Services Committee saying, investigate UFOs. 
mm. which drew a reaction from the head of Project Blue Book, Quintilla. Furious reaction. He's just a hack politician doing a hack political move, but it wasn't because these UFO sightings were in Jerry Ford's district, and that's why Jerry Ford, too, was investigating it. So the point here is we want to interview the children of presidents who made these comments. I mean, Hillary Clinton, for example, said after her uh, uh, her meeting at the at Lawrence Rockefeller's ranch, said, "Hey, um, I'm going to write. I, I, I'm going to lobby my husband, President Bill Clinton, to tell the truth about UFOs." And look what happened to all these candidates. Yeah. Wow. I have to tell you, Bill, uh, UFO Hunters was my favorite show. I, I'm not a TV watcher. I don't watch any of these uh, reality shows, but I, I watched that. It was so well done and so well produced. I was so disappointed when it was off the air. And, and you did tell us why you felt it was taken off the air. But uh, that being said, um, here is the third question. Ben, if you want to take from uh, Oh, sure. I have my my own copy of his questions. Uh, so Peter's final question is: uh, Could you bring us up to date on any efforts to relaunch UFO Hunters? Well, sure. Um, the entire series is running on Pluto TV, so you can get the entire series there. Uh, it and older Ancient Alien episodes are running on Netflix, so you can see those. So they're still on the air. Um, one of the things that I, I really wanted to do with the end of UFO Hunters, this is my dream episode. Ask yourselves this question. I'm sure every person has his and her own answer. But ask yourselves this question. What would disclosure be like? What would it be like? I mean, you know, oh, you know from Independence Day, these things are invading us and you know, Will Smith steps up and says, welcome to planet Earth. Um, so we know all the science fiction stuff. And we also know that one of the most important science fiction movies of the 1950s was the 19, was it 52? Two movies. 1956, Forbidden Planet. Mm. 1952, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Mm. They both carry the same message, believe it or not. And the message isn't about UFOs, isn't about creatures from space, it's about us. And it is what, what is the end of our life? Really, we are sitting today, this is why this gets to be really um, relevant. We're sitting today at the sixth extinction of life on planet Earth. In the midst of a pandemic, that not only won't go away, but, if you want me to sound really crazy, seems to have a consciousness by looking to target various demographics every time we try to shield another demographic. And when it strikes, it doesn't just, it isn't the flu, it didn't just make you have respiratory symptoms, it does, but it stays in your body. It's affecting your blood vessels, it's causing vasculitis. It's affecting the brain, the kidneys, the heart, muscles. What kind of virus is this? What's going on here? Not a natural one. Not like the, not like the flu. Not like the bird flu. Not at all. And it's killing people. But the virus isn't killing people. That's the funny part about this. It's the person's own body's reaction to the virus that's killing them, right? Your lungs explode, you get Kawasaki syndrome, and you can't walk because you're paralyzed. What's going on here? My cat knows, but, uh, because the cat's immune. Mm. But the point is that this is strange. Viruses have been all over. If someone did a, this is how planets are invaded. If someone were to, Interpol withdraw, uh, uh, draw some blood and just search for, uh, for viruses, they would find hundreds, if not thousands, of viruses in your bloodstream. Thousands.
thousands of viruses. Well, how come you're not racked with uh, illness? Because what's happened is that these viruses, which are a species, it's like pre-life. They're hijackers. They hijack your RNA, and that's how they spread through your body. Well, these viruses actually transform the human body to live with these viruses. They're space travelers. That's how they got here. They're space travelers. And on those two meteors, not meteors, but we call them comets, that recently passed through our solar system from outside our solar system, Oumuamua and Borisov, we now know that not only were those comets spinning in directions that they don't spin. I mean, they're flipping over on themselves, they're rotating around a center, they're spinning around like a lawn sprinkler. Well, if they're a lawn sprinkler, what are they sprinkling? Actually, what they're sprinkling is water. There is water on the surface of these comets. Water that they are depositing through the universe. What are they then? They're not comets. They look like comets. They're spaceships. They're spaceships carrying viruses. Viruses are in the water. Where there's water, there's life. And that is the whole point of these two comets. That's how we got here. Life was spread through the universe. The, uh, the, uh, The point is, when you talk about if you're going to invade another planet, if you want to occupy another planet, you don't do it by sending creatures down to destroy the very place you want to occupy, right? What you do is you infect the species, you transform the species, and hence that's exactly how you expand your species from planet to planet. So when you look at how um, new worlds, it's the same thing it's the same thing we do. We send an exploratory expedition. Ours happened to enslave uh, the Native Americans who lived here, but you send an exploratory expedition, and they're the ones that plant the seeds for your um, colonialization, for your colonization of that planet. That's why we on this planet are a colony. And one of the things that I really wanted to do was take that theory as the last episode of UFO Hunters, when we knew we were going off the air, and make that theory the center of what I hoped would be one of these two-hour specials about disclosure. When we finally realize not just what just happened, but that disclosure tells us who we are, what we are, how we've come here, and why that secret was so deadly. Well, Bill... Undercover forever. Well, what you've described is very akin to the highly respected theory in astrophysics of panspermia. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, which was... Except the spermia is in the virus. Yeah, uh, described by the great Sir Fred Hoyle, for example, great astrophysicist in in Britain, um, whose book I read when I was about 10, I think it really influenced but to the idea that maybe not not necessarily spaceships, but comets and, and um, meteors carry microbes that seed life, and, and that the cosmic gas clouds we think are gas clouds are really clouds of, of uh, life, of, of uh, microbes, things of this kind. So uh, it is a highly respected theory. So it, it, right. as crazy as it might sound, it, it's 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 accepted by many. So so what would be so what would be the uh, what would be the shock if we one day found out in a disclosure moment, not just that there's ETs, we know that there's extraterrestrial life because we believe we have found the results of that life in the uh, phosphorine in the atmosphere of Venus. We believe we found uh, uh, seeds of extraterrestrial life in the uh, methane all the way back in 1976 that... Um, one of the Mars rovers found on the surface of Mars. We know there are lakes under Mars. We know that in those lakes there's a high likelihood that there would be residue of life. Let's just say that an alien culture, I mean the alien culture is us, let's just say that we 
gazillions of years ago from our planet somewhere out there began sending probes throughout the universe. And this is us, by the way, sending probes throughout the... Maybe we have three arms. Maybe we have four legs. Maybe we have two heads. They don't look like we just stepped off a subway train in the middle of Times Square, but let's just say that that's the, uh, uh, that these are creatures that have the... Since every we know the elements that are in the universe, and we know life forms on this planet are very diverse, they can have the same biological systems as we do, but at the same time, they're, uh, uh, they're only vaguely related to us because we developed on different planets. It's the old Star Trek theory. If you develop on a different planet, your biology will conform to the ecology of that planet. And so there are versions of us throughout the universe, all planted by spaceships like Oumuamua and Borisov that did it recently, but this happened millions of years ago. So that's the disclosure, and that's the, the, uh, the point of the last show that I wanted to do. When we really find out, not just that UFOs are real, we know that, but we find out the ultimate quest of human beings. Who are we? Why are we? And how did we get to this planet in the first place? That was going to be the final episode. Wow. Too much money, and um, but what happened was, what really happened was, when um, we did the last episode of season two, when I was up in this hotel room with um, one of our experts, and we were tracking the tail numbers on the uh, Janet Airlines flights. On McCarran Airport in uh, Las Vegas. Exactly, over McCarran Airport, and then tracking these same flights, some of them landing in Bullhead, Arizona, for the drive to Area 51. And this is happening right on camera. Well, some folks uh, very highly placed in the Pentagon said um, two things are going to happen. One of two things will happen. Either, this guys are, either these guys are going to get put away for a long time or the show is canceled. Your choice, Disney Studios. And that's what happened. Wow. Bill, we're almost out of time here. Um, so give us your website and where people can find out more. And then we'll give instructions. Uh, folks can, uh, yeah. Yeah. Folks can find out more about me um, at www.shadowlawnpress.com where um, they can find UFOs in the White House. You, you can buy that book online. But among the other books you can buy online, um, talking about conspiracy theories, is um, this book called Unrestricted Warfare, which we picked up from a CIA translation of a war plan that came out of the um, Chinese People Liberation's armies um, plans for war on America. And their plans for war on America are like this modern version of Sun Tzu's art of war, which is if you have to if you haven't won your war before the first arrow flies or the first shot is fired, you've lost your war. That's what Sun Tzu said. That wars are fought, won and lost before the first shots are fired. So uh, uh, the point is, in this book, Unrestricted Warfare, the Chinese um, People's Liberation Army officers explain that the way to defeat America is to is defeated on all levels, economically, strategically, from from the pers- from the perspective of health by co-opting its leadership, by sending thousands of students to America to learn all our science secrets, then go back to China. That was their plan. And it's all in this book. So the whole strategy of how China is working to defeat us, like not telling us about plagues they get, is in that book. Now, it's not as though that I believe that COVID-19 is a Chinese plague. I don't think so. I think it's something else. I think it's a, uh, I think it is a, you know how you'll get a message from Apple or from Microsoft that it's time to update your systems? 
your core operating system, and your computer slows down sometimes. They want you to update that system. That's what COVID-19 is. Okay. Well, Bill, we're we're pretty much out of time, so... uh we wanted to thank you for being with us, and uh, we're going to continue uh, off the air as part of the Western Connecticut UFO Conference uh, at 115. And what you do, anybody who's listening uh, who's not involved in the conference, go to danburylibrary.org, and if you scroll down a little bit, there's a big uh, uh, banner uh, icon for the conference, and as you click on that, and you can uh, register for uh, the event, and you'll get the, the Zoom call uh, link. And that will uh, pretty much get you in. But, Bill, we'll uh, talk to you uh, shortly, and we'll continue. And uh, it'll be uh, as well as Bill. There will be other panelists uh, who were speakers at the conference yesterday, including ourselves, and it's going to be a great time. So sign up if you haven't already. Uh, Very good, then. So uh, many thanks to uh, Aurelio. Yes, yes, yes. Aurelio Maraca and the crew at the Danbury Public Library for organizing the Western Connecticut UFO Conference this weekend. And many thanks to our great and prolific sta- uh, store, store, <laughs> station manager, Dave Richards, here along with us, who, who helped us get this, uh, this spruce goose off the ground. Um, and there have been many great presentations. Participants are invited uh, to stay for the panel discussion, as my father said, which will begin shortly, and Aurelia will explain uh, when we get in there. And so on Tuesday, October 20th, uh, coming up this week at 6.30 p.m., uh, my dad and I will take on the subject of poltergeists uh, with emphasis on our uh, own experiences and my father's experiences during the Bridgeport poltergeist case in, uh, of 1974 at a Zoom conference uh, for the Blackstone, Massachusetts Public Library. It's free, and you can register at blackstonepubliclibrary.org. Uh, and on Saturday, October 24th, beginning at 6 p.m., my dad will offer a presentation on our own cases in Northern Rhode Island uh, during a, quote, very creepy evening, unquote, uh, a Zoom conference for the Museum of Work and Culture here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And you can register at rihs.org. Uh, forward slash locations forward slash museum of work culture dot com okay and uh, we remind you to go to behind the paranormal dot com and that's a sort of a springboard for all sorts of information on the show uh, and you can uh, go there or to I- iTunes or any of these other uh, podcast platforms where you'll find shows of ours back to uh, 2008 including our four and a half year run on CBS radio and, uh, Ben, what do we got for next week? So, next week, uh, October 25th, we'll tackle Monsters of the Deep with globetrotting paranormal legend Nick Redfern. Nick Redfern, uh, always a tremendous guest. Mm. So, uh, we uh, leave you today, if it's not too early, uh, with a thought from the late great astronaut Dr. Edgar Mitchell, who, Apollo 14 astronaut, uh, sixth man to walk on the moon, who's been a guest on our show or before he passed. Uh, quote, I happen to be privileged enough to be in on the fact that we have been visited on this planet and the UFO phenomenon is real, unquote. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. We shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul